Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Scentsy Brewcast, the voice of Scentsy Craft. I'm the gnarly gnome. You hopefully know what this is all about. It's a craft beer show where we not just drink local Cincinnati craft beer, we talk about it too. We venture out to the tap rooms, we, we get out there, we figure out what is going on in this local craft beer community, and uh, we share it with you because, because why not? <laughs> actually don't I, I don't know why but it's because we all love this and um it just gets more and more fun all the time um things are constantly changing and evolving and growing and um uh, I, I have a blast i love i love this whole concept of um local craft beer and it's been way too long since i've sat down here at 16 lots there's been a lot that's happened here. Um, Del Hall, welcome back to the show. I have not had you on the show for a very long time either. Uh, you, you weren't here. <laughs> no, I, I love hearing you just wax poetic. Just talking about the Cincy beer scene. You know, I mean, I, I just love hearing you like, you know, just, just, just ruminate about what we're doing here in Cincinnati. I've got like this, I was talking to somebody this, this morning and they were asking kind of questions about being a blogger in, in Cincinnati. And I said, man, it's, you know, it's often like, I mean, difficult is probably not the right word because it's the, we're, we're talking about beer. This is fun. But like the, the time that you have to dump into this stuff, the effort sometimes of trying to, uh, to herd cats to get things to happen um, you have to be passionate about this. And I, I'm super passionate about this. Luckily, the people that I talk to are just as passionate, though, so I don't feel crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, like that, that analogy of herding cats is so true. It's so true in beer, man. It, it, you know, it's, there are so many people that get into this industry because they love to drink and they love the, the, the passion that goes into this product that we drink. But um, it it really is easy sometimes to forget that this is a, this is a big kind of, uh, it's a business, it's a machine. There's, there's all this stuff that has to happen and has to happen at certain times. And, you know, like we're, we're all just a bunch of like a bunch of drunks that love, love craft beer. And so it's, a, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to kind of toe the line between those things sometimes. Dude, it's, it's funny when you, when you talk to anyone normally in the business, you know, everyone had different, you know, careers and, and, and different, you know, um, paths that they thought they were going to be on. And they end up, you know, in this craft beer business. And almost everyone you talk to has the same story where they've, oh, I made more money. Or, you know, I had a better, um, you know, uh, pay rate right. at this job or that job. And almost all of us took a pay cut to actually come <laughs> into this. Because it's such a lifestyle change, right? Right. I mean, you know, you don't you don't do this because you uh, we're looking for yacht money, right? There, there are some people that that do and maybe get uh, disappointed very quickly <laughs> once they get into the real business. quick, real quick. <laughs> um, before we kind of dig into all of this that's happening here at Sixteen Lots, how did you get into craft beer? How did did we ever talk about that on this show? I don't know, dude. Um, I mean, I'm like you know, I'm an OG beer geek. I've been around. Uh, craft beer for a really long time and uh man like so i i'm 45 oh i'm sorry so we're talking about uh you know i started drinking craft beer in the mid 90s and uh it all started really with my i think i was drinking capri sun about that time you know what (laughs) 
my father-in-law at the time, I, you know, I was married at one point. I'm not just like, you know, this, this bachelor all the time. I was married at one point. My, my father-in-law back in the day uh, spent some time in England for the military. And uh, he used to have just crazy import beers in his fridge all the time. Right. So, uh, you know, me, you know, my first keg I ever bought was a keg of Red Dog for like a St. Paddy's party, like in 93. Right. But, uh, you know, when I was rummaging around in his fridge, he always had these like really crazy beers. And I remember grabbing an Old Peculiar and drinking my first Old Peculiar <laughs> and thinking, holy crap, like that name is perfect for this beer because that is really peculiar. Like that's an amazing style. And, uh, and he always had, and, he, and you know, um, yes, I was underage at the time, but uh, he loved that I had the spark for, uh, you know, trying different things and, and seeing what I liked and what I didn't. And I, I don't even know where he was. This was in Dayton, Ohio, in the mid-90s. I don't even know where he was getting his import <laughs> beers at the time. He was probably getting it at Belmont Party Supply. Right. So, like, Belmont Party Supply, OG, Mike Swartz, you know, back in the day. And uh, so he would always bring in these. And he, he got to the point where he liked the fact that I took an interest in it. So he was, you know, always feeding me these really cool import beers. I mean, that's, that's true now even. You know, you've, you've got that one friend who isn't into craft beer. Half the fun is sharing craft beer with them and being like, oh, just try this. No, I don't like that. Okay, we'll try this. I don't like that. Try this. Oh, that's okay. And then you've got a place to go. And then you start yeah. digging at it. And so so much so, man. I mean, it's like, so, you know, so from there I went into, I, I, I started drinking like Pete's Wicked, uh, Red Hook ESB, uh -huh. um, obviously Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. You know, so I started drinking those styles and just like, you know, just really, really digging into what made them different and, and how interesting those were. So that's really what sparked it. And then, um, you know, I was in the, I went in the military in uh, 96. So I was in the army from 96 to 2005. And right after 9-11. Thank I, you for your service, by the way. You're very welcome. Uh, right after 9-11, um, uh, I switched my military job and I went into counterintelligence. And I was a counterintelligence agent for the army. And uh, I got sent to uh, Germany for a little bit. Well, get out of here. I mean, that's the, that's the motherland, right? I mean, it's... Is it? It really is, dude. I mean, come on. I, I think that... And maybe my, my mind has shifted in a very different direction in the last, we'll say, 10 years. Mm -hmm. I think what the United States has... And maybe this is the American in me, too, speaking. But what the United States has done for beer in the oh. last 30 years... Not to take away what Germany has done, because we, we can't right. argue with what they've done. Because right. you're getting ready to talk about the last 30 years instead of the last 500 years. But look at the changes that have happened to beer. Look at the amount of things. like Around the world, <laughs> though, those aren't necessarily good changes. I, 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 They're good for us, but if you talk to international beer drinkers. Like, I was, just in, I was in the UK about a year and a half right before COVID. I was in the UK. Like, you know, they, they still aren't, Anywhere close to where we are. By the way, Cloudwater, by the amazing. What they're doing in the UK, amazing. But they're still not up to, uh, you know, anywhere close to where we were 20 years ago. Right. And uh, I'm not going to say that we're like a laughing stock, but when you say something is an American style, you know it's bold, it's over <laughs> it's the top. Too much it's of something. It's <laughs> right? 
Well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we keep, we could, you and I can just like sit and just talk beer forever and ever. We're like, you know, like um, everyone always talks about um, Three Floyds when uh, they were one of the first monikers that said American Pale Ale. What does American Pale Ale mean? It means an over-the-top hoppy pale ale, which is an IPA. Right. Right? That's the, that is what the rest of the world looks at us as. I always, Stone is usually my go-to example because I can, I can still remember those times as a young beer drinker, that first arrogant bastard that you pick up off the shelf and you try it. And like, yeah, it's funny when you read the label and stuff, but I'll be damned if it's not dead on. You're not ready for this. Right. <laughs> at least you weren't then. I don't know if beer yeah, drinkers. You're not worthy. Remember that was their, that you're not worthy. I don't know if beer drinkers now would be as shocked by that as, as I think people were back then. But do yeah. you think, and, and we're going way down a different rabbit hole yeah. here, but, um, do you think craft beer drinkers that are getting into this now, um, do you think that they're losing some kind of thing about not having to take that same journey that maybe you did of, you know, the Pete's Wicked and the, the Red Hook and that kind of stuff and finding your way into this where, you know, I, I'm, I'm right on that line. Like when I was in college, when I really started drinking, we had Mount Carmel. Like we had a local brewery. We had that spot that you could go into and you could talk to the guy that makes your beer and he could tell you about this and tell you about that and, and, and send you with, with your growler that you were then the weirdo in the, in the party where everybody's got their, their keg right. of Natty Light and you've got your cooler full of growlers. Yeah. Is, do you think you lose something by not having to take kind of that journey through all of it to get to this? I think so. And the reason I think so is because I don't think, I mean, you don't pick up a cup of coffee for the first time and drink black coffee and think, oh, I love this stuff. No. This is amazing, right? You smell it when your parents make it. You're like, oh, it smells really good. Let me have a taste of that. And the whole time your palate as a child is developing and into your uh, you know, adolescence, it tastes like crap. And you're like, oh, this is horrible. How do you guys drink this stuff? Sometime it switches. College. Me, it was the army. Where you... you you need it for the effects of the caffeine. So you start doctoring it up. You start putting cream and sugar in it. And then, you know, um, and then you, you start weaning yourself off of that and just, and it, you know, I'm a straight black coffee drinker now. You don't just become a black coffee drinker. You right. kind of have to work your way up that. I think that's what we're seeing in beer right now. So I think a lot of people don't just pick up a beer, especially like an IPA, right? taste it and be like, I'm hooked. This is great. I want, I'm an IPA drinker from now on. So I think we do miss some of that because these people aren't cutting their teeth on light American lagers. They're right. not cutting their teeth on, you know, um, uh, you know, what other parts of the world call it water, right? They're not cutting their teeth on that kind of stuff. And, and they're jumping straight to these overly fruited sours, these smoothies, these pastry stouts, and, and you miss a whole step. Um, and I think the step that you're missing in all that is a lot of the, uh, the romance that I love about beer. When I, you know, uh, when I sell beer, you know, I tell people, uh, you know, anecdotes about where this you know, porter came from or where uh, now this time of year, Doppelbach, right? Mm -hmm. Where Doppelbach came from. Um, you know, I tell these, these stories and I really romanticize those. You miss all that because they're really just going from drinking a slushy in high school to drinking a slushy with alcohol in it. 
Well, and like that idea of sitting in a bar and seeing a beer style that you've never heard of before. It's like that, that first time you see IPA, what is, what's an IPA? Like, I don't know that that happens as much anymore as it did, you know, 20 years ago. It's like, right. it, it, everybody's heard of an IPA. My, my grandpa knows what an IPA is. He doesn't like it, but he knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, we do. I mean, we have access to information more now than, than ever before. Also, I, I feel like in the last 20 years, um, alcohol itself has been less vilified. That's true. So where it used to be pretty hush-hush and, you know, like you, you knew like uncles or fathers <laughs> or things like that that had drinking problems and they would sneak out and, you know, drink a pint or whatever. Right. Uh, it's definitely more of like social, social customs now, right? And just culture. Yeah, I mean, you know, my, my kids were hanging out in tap rooms, you know, before they before they could stop shitting their pants. Like, it, you know, it, it, was, it was normal. And nobody, nobody bats an eye about it. You go there, you have, you have dinner there, you, you hang out with your family, you, you play Scrabble sitting at a table together. Right. Like, it's... Very European of you. The, the idea of what all of this means is very different. I just don't know. You know, the last 20 years has got us to this. Where does that get us to? Like, what is, what's, what's the next... Do, that's what we're thing. all trying to figure out, right? What, where do you think it goes? Like, we're all trying to figure out. Um, you know, I, I don't know because I see legends in the brewing industry that I've looked up to my entire career, beers that I've drank, super traditional, you know, um, two style, like BJCP style beers. And they are making smoothie sours <laughs> and they're making things that are completely off the wall. And, you know, uh, it lends itself to, I'm like, I'm a student of design. I really love creativity and I love recipe creation, mm -hmm. but I also like physical packaging and design work, you know, and there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a principle that uh, um, uh, Raymond Lowy, who he designed um, like the U.S. Uh, Postal Service logo, the Coke bottle, Exxon, Shell, like a lot of things in industrial design mm -hmm. that you see. He designed all that. And he had a principle called uh, Maya. And it was the most advanced yet acceptable. That what he was always going for. The lime. He was always going for Maya. And I feel like it's so relevant right now in beer yeah. that we should be looking for what's the you're pushing the boundary as much as possible, right? You're, what's the most acceptable, like the most advanced version of beer that we can get yet acceptable? And, and the reason that it's acceptable is because there's a familiarity mm -hmm. with the drinker and the consumer. So you can't go beyond their limitations, but you actually have to you know, pull it back to where uh, you're still relevant. And that's such a weird time right now. It's so weird to try to be relevant, but also be... Uh, a, a, a traditional four-ingredient brewer. Well, but that's what I find it fascinating that the more that everybody is pushing those lines and charging forward and trying to figure out that next thing and, and, and introduce drinkers to new ideas, and the further we push into that, the more it opens up people looking for the other end of it and looking for that beginning, looking for those traditional lagers, well, Bach beers or Pilsners or whatever it is. You know, and I, I see, I see where you're going on that, but it's also, I feel like people are pushing more away from beer. They're going more into seltzers and, to, you know, smoothies and, and things like that. It's, 
actually away from beer. So you put some of those smoothie beers in the same category that you the seltzers? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, look, the, the, this whole push in the last, you know, two or three years when it comes to, to seltzers and, and how just like, you know, they've taken over the world. Part of that was, you know, uh, it coincided with, you know, diet trends. Right. And, you know, uh, the keto diet, paleo diet, you know, low carb, high fat, like those kind of diets. So I feel like they got a really big push because of that. So people, you know, can have an alcoholic beverage that doesn't have any carbs, doesn't have any residual sugars, you know, uh, it fits in that lifestyle. And, uh, and, and that was a big bump. But then all of a sudden, we're now doing, having these smoothies, these smoothie seltzers that now take a seltzer and then add a bunch of sugar and a bunch of fruit to it which completely counteracts that, which like, what does that, where does that fit in? What is, what lifestyle does that fit into? I was, um, uh, I was drinking a bunch of seltzer the other night. Anybody who follows all of this stuff probably knows what I'm talking about. I was drinking a bunch of seltzers and I was talking. I know the ones you were talking. I know. I was talking to somebody about it. I'm like, I, you know, they're good. But at the end of drinking 64 ounces of the seltzer, I feel fuller than if I had drank 64 ounces of beer. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what it is. I'm burping more and I feel fuller. And that is the complete opposite of what I wanted out of seltzer in the first place. They're good and they're, they're tasty, but why are people drinking them? Like if that's not, if this thing that we kept identifying as the reason people were looking for seltzers isn't the thing anymore, what is it? <laughs> no, Dude, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a quandary. I mean, like what, like, and this is this is not a judgment to anybody drinking seltzers. Drink what you want to drink, yeah. but I'm just trying to understand why it's happening. Yeah, and I, I mean, I people are sitting. You know, like I had a conversation at a at a uh, at an account yesterday, and we were talking about this this trend and you know things like that, and people getting away from beer and seltzers, and then you know canned cocktails, and there's this whole like you know um, this whole lineage that you can just follow, and and it's the only common thread is alcohol, right? So there's alcohol on it. So obviously people want the effect of that. But, you know, they're like, oh, so like, you know, um, they like the artisanal fact of, and the, uh, of like craft beer. So you have that. The idea of which, right? local. Right. Like lo- right. Um, and they brought up like, you know, there's like what they were thinking the next trend might be like, oh, like, like craft cocktails, but like, you know, artisanal sodas, where they're alcohol, you know, where it used to be like not your father's root beer, right. that kind of stuff, but like more of like artisanal, you know, thing. And it's like, who are the people that, that drink that? And I said, like, just walk next door because there's a dive bar next door and they're drinking that right now. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I was like, they're just like some, someone's over there has got to have a Jack and Coke. It's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you're basically just putting alcohol in a soda and you're drinking it, but you're drinking it in a can. So, I mean, it's, it's such a weird place we are right now um that i don't know where the where it's where it's going to lead us it's on one hand it's a little terrifying for craft beer as an industry to see kind of some of those trends and how they're going on the other hand it's exciting as a drinker to see more people trying more things being a little bit uh courageous with their drinking you know People don't have that, well, maybe they do still have their go-to drink, but that go-to drink is changing more frequently than I think it used to. I think it used to be 
people were uh, a bud drinker or Jack and Coke or whatever that was. That was all they drank. I feel like it's shifting and changing and they're whatever the new thing is people yeah. are, are leaning into. I mean, I would love to see, you know, you, you hit on it a little bit ago that the people come back, right? They come back to traditional craft. Yeah. Right. That's what we, we ultimately want. Right. I mean, so if these people are going down this road where they're trying all these different, you know, alcoholic beverages, um, whether or not it's craft beer, cider, smoothies, seltzers, whatever they do, and, and into craft cocktails. And then do they just get to a point where it's like, I've tried it all, and now I'm gonna, and now they recycle, they come back to like a traditional craft beer. I don't know if your palate can recover from that. Yeah, I, like highly I, palatable, you know, fruit over, over overly fruited smoothies and 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 sours and pastry stouts. Can your palate recover from that kind of stimulus? to go back to enjoying the simple pleasures of an English mild. I think so. In the same way that, you know, if you're a bourbon drinker, you know, that is a different attack on your palate than a Pilsner. Yet people have been doing that for, for you know, decades where, they're, yeah, they're, they're bourbon drinkers, but when they just want to sit down and drink, they're, they're drinking a beer. You know, I, I think that... I think your your palate can adjust. Maybe maybe not in a few minutes, but overall, like I think you can be one of those drinkers that is trying all of this. Uh, I I crap. hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You know. I mean, still, you know, still appreciate when you want to sit down yeah. and just drink. You just grab a beer. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I'm in the business. That's you know. That's why. That's why I'm in the business. You know. What I mean, uh, as an as an owner of a brewery. You know, I got in the business because of my passion for beer. But, like, I've now, I've worked my way up through the ranks right. from being a distributor to, uh, you know, a director of sales to now an owner. And I, I, hope, I hope that's the case, you know. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, during COVID with, uh, you know, the uh, requirement or the, you know, um, the restrictions we've had, we've really seen the, the demographic here at 16 Lots change. And we're seeing, you know, new faces, new faces, a lot of new faces, younger, younger people. Uh, and I just hope that, like, maybe, like, when the restrictions are done, the older set, that was our, you know, our, our main customer before COVID, they're still around. They just are m more cautious. Right. So, and we, we maintain these, the new crowd and the new fans of 16 Lots. And, uh, and then, you know, business will boom at the end of this. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, at the so, end, yeah. whenever that is. Exactly. This, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about, well, let's drink a beer first because yeah. we haven't done that and you can't do a beer podcast without drinking a beer. Um, From the beer fridge. It is uh, that time of year. It's box season. The I think the weirdest time in Cincinnati because it doesn't make any sense. It, I, I don't know how Bach turned into this thing in the spring that we really celebrate um, how so many people have latched on because of lint. <laughs> it's nothing to do with lint. Come on, Doppel Doppelbach. <laughs> Look, though. no. Historically, I recognize that yes. yes, it had to do with lint. How it, how it started, but none of these yahoos that are out running around Bachfest weekend drinking Bach beers understand the history. I don't want to say I know that you do, the listener, but the people around you when you're sitting at the bar. They they don't you know like it's it's just turned into this thing that uh, we, we we celebrate wholeheartedly in Cincinnati. I love it, <laughs> but it's so strange. <laughs> it 
it's just one of those things that makes Cincinnati really unique, right? It, it is. And, I, and obviously, you know, at one point in our history, Cincinnati had the, the largest population of Germans outside of Germany. But we didn't have Bachfest then. No. That's what's but Bachfest, I mean, that, that style of beer, though, lends itself to the German palate. But Bachfest started, what, in the 80s? Is that right? I think so, yeah. Um, Hudepol Shaneling made a Bach beer and wanted to celebrate it. So they threw a party to celebrate the tapping of this beer, had a, had a parade because why not? Right. right. You got to have a goat because, you know, Bach uh, is goat in German. So you got to have a, a goat to lead it. It just never stopped. Every year, people threw Bachfest. It became this celebration, not just of the beer, which it is, but to me, Bachfest is more of a celebration of Cincinnati of overcoming whatever that latest thing is, be it as simple as one of those years where it's just winter. We're just done with winter and we're trying to get over the cold. We're ready for spring. We want to get back outside. We want to sit in the sunshine. You're getting over that. Um, to those years, this year, getting over the pandemic, that's Bachfest this year. Bachfest is standing in your backyard with a bunch of Bach beer sitting in a cooler or uh, you know, and giving the middle finger to, you know, 2020 and what that was. There's been years where it was the things happening in OTR. There's always something here in Cincinnati that we can be pissed off about. And to me, that's what Bachfest is about. It's about like just giving the middle finger to all that stuff and welcoming in what's next. Yeah, it's I mean, that it's transition period. Like you know? a return to normalcy. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what we're, I mean, we're, we're also, you know, um, you know, pin up when it comes to getting out and doing the, the normal things we used to do that even though Bachfest itself is, you know, basically like a virtual event this year, we don't have the parade. We don't have those. We have a lot of like participating, you know, bars and restaurants that are, that are doing that. Um, you know, myself, I'm going to be at Arnold's like I always am for Bachfest and I'm going to be enjoying cool. a Bach beer with a specialty, with a, a specialty tapping down there on Saturday. And it's, you know, like, it's just a glimpse. I don't need the, like, at this point, a year removed, like, we're a year from the start of COVID. I don't need to be completely normal, but I want to have a hint of normalcy. You want to see. That, just a, you want to see a, that it's still inside Just people. give me some hope. Just yeah. a hope. You, know? I, you get those moments every once in a while where maybe maybe you're, you're sitting like this. We're, we're, we're sitting far apart. We're sitting across the table with some beers in front of us. There are those moments within that that you forget about it like you just are having a conversation over beers and like afterwards you're like oh my god that felt real why did that feel so oh it's because we don't do that anymore it's because that doesn't exist anymore Mm. and and you get those little flashes of it and uh i mean you you know me i am like the biggest social butterfly ever (laughs) i've never met a stranger in my life i love diversity i love just meeting different people i love the stories that people share and when I go to like bars and restaurants and stuff, like I'm that annoying guy that like strikes up a conversation. I I miss bar culture <sighs> so much. And I, like I, all I, that's all I want. It's just like you know what? I'm tired of looking at my four walls. I'm tired <laughs> of watching Netflix. I just want you know like I just want some normalcy and uh, and I hope to get a glimpse of that this weekend. Uh, you will. It's you know this is again it's it's Bachfest. That's what it's about. You know, get out there, get out there safely and have a beer somewhere. And, and, you know, celebrate Bachfest. It, you can't stop Bachfest. It, it's digital this year. No, it's not. It's, it's it, like, uh, there's, yeah, there's not a parade. There's not all those things that we were used to. But you can't stop 
Bachfest. Bachfest is Bachfest is a state of mind, is what I'm oh, saying. Oh wow! <laughs> we need to talk about this beer. Yeah. Um, this is your Bach beer. Yeah. Tell me about it. It's uh, is it different than it was uh, last year? I don't know because I wasn't at 16 lots last <laughs> That's year. That's true. Which we need to dive into that after yeah. we talk about the beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess it's the same. Um, you know, I really I didn't have the Bach last year, so this is a Bayern Curve, and um, it is named after the 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 old uh, roller coaster. Shout at, out to Kings Island, right at Kings Island. We are in, in Mason, Ohio. Um, but yeah, this is, is our traditional Bach. Um, uh, I think Jeff, our uh, brewmaster, uh, who spent some time in Germany and stuff, he would he really wants to talk about this. So I don't want to, to delve too much into this because he wants to come over and talk about it. He's currently back uh, canning right now, um, but uh, he's a student of German styles. We do a lot of German styles, and uh, when it comes to Bach itself, you know, one of the biggest like um, I don't know if it's a it's a myth or people just aren't educated. But a Bach is a lager, right? Right. So this is lager. Um, a lot of smaller breweries uh, don't have the resources to uh, give real estate to a beer to ferment for 30 days because you're, you're cold crashing it. Right. Um, and we do. And, and we take a lot of pride in our lagers. So this is a super, super traditional, uh, 100% all German ingredients. And um, it's got that like really, really nice like tinge of sweetness, um, you know, uh, which... It is from the from from the roasted malt, but it, it's uh, a little bit higher in alcohol than I. A lot of box. It's still within BJCP, but um, it, uh, seven. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it uh, it just what you think of a as a, a a Bach beer if you're if you're used to that style like here in Cincinnati, uh, it's two style perfect. This beer it's, is is amazing. It's it's really well balanced, which I love. Some of the big like sweet Bach beers. I think that's, that's still delicious, but that's not what this is. Like it, it, it leans into the sweetness, but it's got balance to yeah, it. There's, a, there's a little bit of a hop zippiness yeah. going on there kind of in the background, a little floral earthy thing that kind of yeah. pulls it all together. It's just enough to kind of like your, your palate can get kind of fatigued yeah. from the sweetness and like, you know, and it just, it gives it enough to like cut, cut yeah. it off. Right. Yeah. So it gives you an, enough of uh, bitterness from from you know, uh, and those are all noble hops in this. Uh, it it gives you enough just to just to cut that cloyingly sweet, uh, and 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 make you want to take another sip. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really really good. Um, you guys will have it for a little bit, I assume. You had a uh, a variant too. Is that still no? Here or in fact, I was gonna say it's only in, it's <laughs> only available at Arnold's. That's hilarious. So um, you did like uh, a coffee something or other. Yeah, so I yeah. So uh, you know, over the years, I've always provided Arnold's with some sort of a, a specialty Bach, and I've done so many crazy beers for Arnold's over the years. Uh, you know, Chris, the owner of Arnold's, will reach out. Say, Dell, I need a crazy beer for a garlic festival, and we'll do a black <laughs> garlic beer. Um, we need, you know, a, a pepper beer. We need this. We need that. For Bachfest, he's always like, you know, I trust your judgment. We have enough uh, variety with all the different breweries in Cincinnati that, you know, you're going to be one of, like, you know, six specialty beers. Um, just come up with something fun because it. He, I think he likes the surprise of it too. Like, just come up with something fun. Uh, so I've done lots of lots of different Bach beers in the past. This year, though, we're the only specialty Bach. That's crazy. Um, because of the you know the pandemic right. and then the, they don't get a lot of foot traffic, so we're the only specialty tapping 
And, um, you know, box a weird style to, who, to put a variant in. Oh, who did? Oh, um, uh, Rebel Metal. Did you hear about their, their weird box they did this year? It wasn't with Juniper yeah. Berries, was it? No. They, they're calling it um, Bach flavored beer like beverage something or other is what they're calling it as the name of the beer okay because it's a bock with marshmallows and something like it i i should pull it up if i wow. wasn't so lazy i've done i've done german chocolate cake crazy right? i've done german it. chocolate cake i've done uh you know coconut i've done uh chocolate cherry like a uh, black forest lots of i mean you know, it, it's it's a weird style because it has that sweet backbone to it yeah but it's a lager but it's a, it's a weird thing to add a variant to. So um, There's a lot you can do with that, though. <laughs> yeah, well, and it, and it really is, but you have to think outside the box. You have to think, like, okay. Like, outside what, the box. What are we going to do with this? Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> so we're like, Which you know. actually would be a really good beer name, for the record. So this year, uh, with Arnold's being the only one, you know, I wanted something that it's not too crazy because we're the only one. We're the only, only specialty beer. So I didn't want uh, the general consumer to like, oh, I want that specialty. And then it's something crazy that, right. you know, um, that they, they would uh, find off-putting. So uh, I came up with a, uh, um, we call it a uh, cafe au lait. So it's a the Bach base um, with an addition of locally brewed coffee and uh, lactose, milk sugars, right? So y- you would be amazed at what a little milk sugar <laughs> and uh, and coffee will do to a Bach beer. Uh, it's like our untapped. We like we we tapped it as an experimental uh, before I sent that keg because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be the laughing stock. Right. Like oh, Dell sent this keg down to Arnold's and it's gross. So we tapped a keg here and it's rave rave reviews. I don't think I've ever tried a Bach like that. I've, so Moreline did Emancipator with coffee a few yep. years back, but it was just coffee. It didn't have that that lactose in it, mm-hmm. which. Um, which sometimes I'm, I think I, I, that Mansplainer was was delicious, but I think that addition of lactose would tie it all together. <laughs> I've I've had too many coffee beers in my life that give you that green pepper, uh-huh. right? Yeah, and that that normally is that's not a flaw in the brewing technique. That's normally the uh, beans you used were under roasted, right? So it's more more of a green bean. So that like. Coffee, that oily, coffee, tannic bitterness needs something. Right. We put lactose in it. Balances out perfectly. Yeah, it's, that uh, sounds good. And trust, I'm going to drink I'm gonna drink my fill tomorrow at Arnold's. <laughs> I'm going to try to convince my wife to let me go to Arnold's tomorrow. Um, yeah, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> so how did you end up here? Um, the last time we talked to you was... It's probably been, it has to be getting close to like two years at this point, right? Yeah, right. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about your, your we, we talked kind of your journey into craft beer. Talk about in the profession, how you kind of ventured along that road to get to where you are now. Oh, I, I was going to go like right now, like thanks COVID. <laughs> like literally I'm, I'm here right now because of COVID. But um, yeah, so, uh, you know, when I, I fell in love with the German styles and and, you know, what we would consider craft now, but you know, in, in Germany, those are just the, your standard everyday uh, fare. And I said, you know, I'm never drinking that light stuff again. When I get back to the States, I am not drinking light beer ever again. Uh, by the way, Coors Banquet is always in my fridge. 
I am a I love Gorge Banquet. Shout out to Cobra Kai. Always in my fridge. I drank it well before Cobra Kai. <laughs> it's probably uh, like a really super popular beer this year because of that. Absolutely, though. You're right. You're 100% right. Uh, so I, when I came back, then I was just like, I was on a mission to just drink every beer I possibly could. It's well before Untapped, you know, um, and, and, and just try everything I possibly could. It was just a, a fascinating rabbit hole that I went down. Um, I, uh, I was in real, the real estate industry and, um, I ended up, uh, I had the, I have, and I still do cause it's for life. I have the, the highest certification in, uh, the going green movement in, in the world. I'm a lead, uh, accredited professional so I can design <laughs> green buildings, uh, and things like that. Uh, it helps me a lot here at the brewery. Um, so, uh, market collapsed, real estate collapsed in 2008, went into like, uh, HVAC sales, uh, in, in, uh, in Dayton, ended up uh, being the vice president of a construction company, kind of centered around all that. So still in the project management and construction field. And my whole, the common thread through my entire career was everywhere I traveled, everywhere I went, I always sought out the breweries. I always sought out good beer. I always muled beer back. I always would just bring back, you know, trunk fulls of beer. And uh, it was in 2013, I was at a, a, at a tap takeover in Dayton and the owner of premium beverage supply was there. And at this time I had already had, I had a name for myself in the beer community right. because I was a beer geek. I was, you know, uh, volunteering to pour at festivals and things like that. And just anything I could do to be in that community, I did. And, uh, the owner of premium beverage was there and, uh, he said, yeah, you're Del Hall. I've heard of you. And I said, oh, awesome. That's very cool, you know? And uh, he said, why don't, why don't you sell beer? And I said, I make a lot of money. I'm the VP <laughs> of a construction company. And he said, you'd be surprised at how much you would make in the beer industry. And he gave me his business card and said, come talk to me. Let's, let's talk about the money side of it. Two weeks later, I, I was the sales manager for Premium Beverage, the, Ohio's largest craft beer distributor. And it was not as much as I made, but it was surprising. <laughs> and it was more than I thought. And it was enough to get me to take that leap into a lifestyle. Well, that, that passion starts to come together. Like, I, not to say that what you were doing before you weren't passionate about. Right. But when you spend all of your free time doing something, and then you can start to find a way to incorporate that into the rest of your life. Yeah everything starts coming together. Yeah, so you, you know, you, you turn your, your hobby into your job. You never work another day in your life. Right. That's exact. I mean, I fell for that old adage, you know? And, um, and I, I was in heaven. I mean, I literally, uh, at that point, Premium had Bells, Founders, Lagunitas, Southern Tier, Ballast Point, Dark Horse. I mean, it's like, it was ridiculous the book of business they had. Right. And, uh, and I loved making a living on beer and selling beer. And uh, it, it was just an amazing time. It was a great time to be in craft beer. You know, 2014, 2015, 2016 was just the, the biggest boom in beer. Um, I always like when people think about like the boom in beer, to put it in perspective, um, when Sam Adams started in 1982, uh, they were the 50th. Uh, brewery in uh, the United States. 
Right. So 50 birds in the U.S. You could, you could put every brewery in a room. Yeah. <laughs> you could have all of right. them you know, together. It, we're talking about from the height of you know, thousands of breweries, turn of the century, right. to prohibition, and then the decline of the brewing industry, and then all of a sudden, so early 80s, Sam Adams, 50th brewing in, in, in the U.S. To 2012, 50 West was the 50th brewery in the state of Ohio. Okay? All right. So, boom, boom. We're going from 82, 50 in the country. Now, 2012, you know, the, 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 the 50th just in the state of Ohio to now, Cincinnati has 60. 57, 58. With a couple closures. Yeah, it depends on, I, I actually have to look at my own website to get we're, my count currently. Right, we're right at, <laughs> and I know you always keep this count too. So, we're, all, we're right at 60, right? Yeah, we're right so, about there. Right now, I mean, just in Cincinnati. So that's kind of like the like the time frame, right? So you know this 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 boom has happened and, and things are moving along. Um, it was a great time to be in, in a distributor. That's really where I sowed my oats. I, I learned how to romanticize beer. I learned how to sell beer. Um, you know there were some really really good mentors along the way. And uh, I remember my first day at Premium. Um, uh, the guy that moved Flying Dog. Uh, his name is Jim Lutz. He moved Flying Dog um, from Denver to the East Coast. Right. Like he was the like the he was CFO or CEO or of of Flying Dog at that time. Was my first industry like my first work with. So like he was the first guy that I worked with, and and I told him that he was like this is amazing. He's like you know he goes I always live by the mantra like you know sell beer, uh, make friends, have fun. That's what this industry is all about. And to this day, that's all I try to do. I just try to, you know, sell, sell some beer, make a good living, make friends along the way, and have fun doing it. And, like, I've literally kept that from day one in my craft beer profession to now. Right. And, uh, um, you know, so uh, talking to uh, 50 West and uh, when they wanted to um, start getting into distribution and to start growing, um, I was at premium at the time. Uh, I knew, you know, Max, uh, Max and Bobby. And, uh, and they started talking to me about, you know, coming in and being their director of sales and, and leading their distribution. And um, they needed someone with that experience to work with the, the Miller Coors houses and, and things like that. And uh, so that's, you know, what I started. You know, I, I t- took the offer from 50 West to move uh, from the distributor side to the supplier side. Wonderful time. We had explosive growth. You know, while I was at 50 West, we ended up being the, you know, one of the 50th uh, fastest growing breweries in the, in the U.S. Uh, we were actually uh, number one um, new craft brewer uh, to the grocery channel in the entire U.S. That's crazy. Um, you know, I got to see the, uh, you know, from not packaging beer, right, from being a draft only brewery to the process of packaging beer, uh, marketing strategies, you know, um, um, working with the distributor. You know, I, I got to see that whole progression. And it was, it was so, so fun. It was such a good time. In the middle of redefining kind of who they were yep. on location there, too. If you look at who 50 West was before that to who they, you know, are now, 
it's amazing that the changes that they had to go through is that that's that's difficult to do as a brewery to kind of make those big shifts as a business. So to be able to sit there and kind of navigate those waters and to be there during all of that and see how, how, how they did it and how, you know, maybe you might do it differently or things you would do the same. It's that's, that's important stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, and you know, I mean, I mean, just working for the Slattery family, I mean, they're business geniuses, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, so, uh, you know, and I'm a sponge, everything I do, I just try to soak up whatever I can. So, uh, you know, things are going along really well. We're doing really, really well at 50 West and, uh, and just um, selling a lot of beer and, and uh, doing what we need to do. And then, uh, and then COVID hits. Then COVID. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's the start of every podcast I've done for the last right? year. And, and, dude, and it, then COVID. And that, it irks me too because I listen to podcasts and things as a, as a respite. I, I, I want an escape I do from too. COVID. It's it's so difficult because I like there's a, like like this. I, I haven't been here since before COVID. Like there's so much to talk to that is COVID related yep. that I feel like people want to to know and want to hear about, but at the same time, you can't do it every single week. Right. <laughs> COVID hits. Um Everyone at Fendi West gets furloughed, except the brewers. So production still has to happen, right? The, the idea is you're going to put beer in cans. It's going to go to off-premise. They're going to buy it. My team, Salesforce, um, all the restaurant workers, everyone, all furloughed. And uh, until further notice. Right. Starts to get back to normal. And, like, you know, things are looking where they, you know, might need support in the in the uh, in the industry to to start selling some stuff and uh, they basically got a hold of me and said hey let's talk about going back to work being the savvy business people that the slatteries are they're like hey in the meantime they'd opened up the burger bar right burger bar is just crushing it and um and they you know they said hey you know we want you to come back we want you uh but we we have to cut your previous staff so we're not we don't have the budget um, we're not going to we're not going to concentrate so much on the distribution of beer, as opposed to where we need to be in you know Southern Ohio, Northern Kentucky, um, just to get a, a fair amount of beer in the market and and to satisfy this. But we're not going to worry about growing distribution any longer. And pretty much my deal going in was we were going to grow as much as possible because that's where I was compensated. Right. So my compensation then was greatly different. Right post-COVID as opposed to pre-COVID. Um, and I said, you know, I've been super loyal. I've never looked outside. I've never looked for another job. I've never done this. Um, but I feel like that's not in my best interest. Let me um, see what's out there. Let me, let me put a resume together and talk to some places and, uh, and, and see if this is the best fit for me to stay or to move on. And they were super accommodating and said, go for it, Del. Do what, do what you need to do. So put together a resume, put it out there, um, got some really good offers. Um, I ended up, you know, so I ended up with nine job offers. And um, how many of those local and how many not local? Yeah. So I got from one that was to run the whole country 
You were going to be president? Yes. <laughs> it was going to be huge. It oh, was going to be huge. That would have been so much better. It was going to be huge. <laughs> um, no, but I was going to be like uh, head of national chains for a very large still craft brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way down to very small local, right? Everything, everything in between. Right. And uh, my only kind of like rule that I held myself to accountable was if, if I stayed local, which I really wanted to, I wanted to stay in Cincinnati. And even the national players were, uh, you could stay in Cincinnati right. because of Kroger. Right? So, um, but if I worked for an actual local brewery is that I wanted equity. I wanted to be an owner, right? So it's like, I'm gonna put my blood, sweat and tears. If anyone knows me, I hustle. I, this is my passion in life. My hobby is beer. So my work-life balance, there's not really a thing. It's, I work. <laughs> Very familiar with Every, that. Everything I do is beer. And if I'm going to do that for someone, I'm going to have some equity in it. And that's what I told everyone. When, I, when people said, hey, I hear you're looking, let's talk. I told them the exact same thing. Um, 16 Lots was one of those locals that came forward and said, we want you. Here's how much we want you. And we are willing to give you equity. And uh, I did my due diligence. I wasn't that familiar. I knew Soak City IPA. Um, I knew the sales rep. I knew the owners, but not like personally. And uh, I started doing my due diligence at that point, coming into the tap room, tasting all the beer, talking to my trusted advisors on the retail side, all the people that own bars and restaurants that, that I count as some of my best friends. What do you think? How, like, what's the, the word on the street? What kind of reputation do they have? Things like that. And um, it was one of those things where it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't great. There was nothing that people were like, oh, this is like, you know, they blow our socks off. Um, but Soak City, it's got some, uh, some awards under its belt. Um, people knew that beer and they, and they knew it. But it's also what was even more important was there wasn't a lot of bad. Right. Right? So... There wasn't like people were like, oh yeah, the beer's the beer's not good. It's not it's not solid. Blah blah. Everything was really too style, very solid, but very traditional. Nothing to write home about, right? right. I mean, people like nowadays they want the they want the hype, and there wasn't any of that. The tap room itself really well appointed. Um, we have a the, our Portland Kettle Works system, right? Like that ten barrel system we have, Cadillac of systems. Um, just look at the sight glass that we have back there, <laughs> and that'll tell you right right away. The whole place was appointed very well. Um, they put a lot of money and a lot of thought into it. Really good bones. But it really didn't have any flavor. Like, you know, it was just, uh, we've talked before, just kind of like, you know, uh, not a cookie cutter tap room, but just like, you know, just like. Just, just nice tap room. Just, just nice tap room. Nice nice, nothing, nothing to stand out. Which doesn't fit my personality at all. Right? I mean, my personality is bold, gregarious, American style. <laughs> Um, so I thought like I could make the biggest impact. I get, I get what I want of being, um, I'm, you know, the chief, chief commercial officer, co-owner and, uh, and basically everything front forward to the consumer, to sales, marketing, branding, everything. I, it's, you know, like I have that, uh, autonomy, uh, to, to, to change. Right. And it was such a good, I don't want to say blank slate because on this podcast, it means something different, right? But it was a blank slate. It was a blank canvas that, uh, that I could come in and put my touch on it 
And really, it wouldn't be like contrived. It would be really genuine that when you walk in now to the tap room and you see the changes I've made, when you see our new cans, when you see the logos and the branding, you can say, that's got Dell's mark on it. Right. And there was no other opportunity like that. What sorts of things, when you did come on board, what were, the, what were some of the changes that you made right off the bat? You talked about some of the branding changes, which we've seen uh, you know, a little bit of. You've, you've seen some of the, the limited release cans out there have some of the new branding on it. The, the van, if you've seen it around town, is obviously branded. There's no mistaking that one. Um, Hell yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. New cans, which are sitting in front of me, getting ready to head out into the market, which are definitely new branded and absolutely stunning um thank you thank you i liked the old cans but this is leaps and bounds above what was coming out before uh what are some of the other things that that when you came on board that you changed yeah so i mean i came in in the middle of the you know the coronavirus so it wasn't like you know with the uncertainty of the marketplace it wasn't like just like open up the coffers, here's the, here's the credit card, Dell. Right. Like, let's go after it. So I tried to do things uh, wise and tried to do things that I could make the biggest impact with the least amount of capital, one of which was, like, just the taproom improvements to, to, to generate a better experience for the customer, right? So I wanted to concentrate on that. So when it comes to decor, to um, ambiance. Um, you guys have a lot more bourbon here now than well, I think you did. When most people, yeah. People, <laughs> people know that about me as well, that I'm kind of a, a bourbon nut. Uh, but, you know, there's there's other things back there you don't really see. And one, I, I've added absinthe service, right? So, like, I fell in love, like, drinking absinthe in Paris, absinthe. right? Like, I like when I was in Europe and, like, drinking absinthe in, in Paris, just such an experience, such a cool thing. I brought that here. So I have an authentic, uh, you know, absinthe tower that we do real absinthe service. Um, I also, uh, before, before Shram, people knew about Shram's Mead, uh, there was a, a Nordic cherry wine called Frederiksal. <laughs> Nordic cherry wine. Right? Right? <laughs> called Frederiksal. And it is basically... Um, Note like, to self when I'm editing, may look up Nordic cherry yeah, wine. Yeah, it's called Frederiksal. <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing product. And it, it's very much like mead, where, but it would be like a mellow mel, where it's a fruit mead. Well, this is just uh, fermented straight out of Nordic cherries. Okay. And uh, so I brought that. It's, you know, I, I can't remember what, what we charge. Uh, it's like 12 bucks for like three ounces. Uh, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty expensive. Uh, but it's such a really cool experience. Ooh, and I want to give people that experience of trying different things. When else are you going to be somewhere that celebrates Nordic cherry wine or absinthe or some of those things? Like, when are you going to get that kind of stuff? And if you're if you're a geek, which there's a lot of geeks around, <laughs> like that's you find that place that kind of caters to some of those geeky things that you want yeah. to experience. And yeah, I like I literally if you look on the Frederickshall website where it says like find our product. <laughs> Um, if you look on that, it says, you know, uh, Mason, Ohio, right? Boom. There we are. And then it says Atlanta, Georgia. Then it says New York city, Chicago. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's like the only places you can, but Mason, Ohio is stuck that's in there awesome. now, stuck in there now. Cause we serve it. Um, actually I had it at, there's a really iconic, uh, beer bar, um, in Atlanta called, uh, Porter. And, uh, they actually served it there. And I saw it was just the coolest thing ever. 
You know, I had the product before, but having it in an, in an on-premise experience, I'd mm-hmm. never had. I'd always bought it from uh, Party Source, right? So Party Source always had. I, I bought it there, and it was a really cool experience. But to have it in an on-premise capacity, just it's another thing, right? Right. Nowadays, when when you think about you know um, what entertains people, it's more about experiences. When there's raffles and things like that, people do they want like a hard product that they can take home or they'd rather have like the experience of something right so i want people to walk in here and have an experience i want them to i want them to feel like they're walking onto a movie set right so that they they get the the feel of this is different i just escaped my normalcy right uh in fact my the new slogan here um it at 60 knots is escape the mundane get out of the mundane right right and that's what I want you to do when you come in here now. So you can try those different things. You can try absinthe. You can try cherry wine. You can do a bourbon flight, you know. Um, and then when it comes to beer styles themselves, we're really so. I, I've gone so far now as to um, I'm out, I'm I'm doing most of the like a recipes. So recipe development, um, you know, uh, Jeff and I are working together hand in hand. Uh, I'm I'm coming up with you know these far flung ideas that I have. And, um, and he's figuring out the science behind them and, and how to, to execute them properly. Going back to the experience idea and how important that is, <clears throat> I've talked to a lot of people about um, beer and how, how it can taste better in certain situations. And I, I think a lot of people kind of um, maybe don't grasp that idea as much as you probably should. If you... If you go to your your local store and you you grab a, a six pack of, we'll just we'll, we'll say Pilsner Kell. You, you grab a six pack of Pilsner Kell, pour it. You sit at home on the couch and you're watching a football game or something. It tastes like a beer. It's it's good, but it tastes like a beer. But if you go and you drink Pilsner Urkel there, it's yeah. I, I've never been, so I can't really say. But it 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 transforms that beer because of the experience of where you're at and who you're with and the things that are around you and the experience of that beer. That's no different than when you're around town here. If you sit at this bar and you drink, you know, this, this Bach beer here, laughing with the bartender and joking with a couple people that are, you know, spaced out down the bar, (laughs) shouting across the room because you can't sit close enough to people anymore. It tastes better. The beer tastes better than if you're sitting at home with your terrorist children like me running around destroying your house around you. The beer does not taste as good in that situation as they would here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I it's not it's not a joke. It's not it's not just me trying to be funny. It's like it's this is a real part of craft beer and a real part real part of craft anything is is how you consume these things and that is one of the biggest things that makes tap rooms what they are is the experience when you walk in those doors. I agree 100%. Um, I, I wish I wish everybody understood that. And, uh, you know, COVID has thrown a wrench into that whole idea, but we're almost there, guys. Just get back we out are. And, and go places and drink with people. Drink drink with people because it, it, it makes it what it is. So... You come on board, 16 lots, um, great, great idea for a brewery, great, great branding as far as 16 lots, who it is in Mason, but communicating that to the customer and creating a product that can sit on a shelf that draws attention, that 
speaks to uh, the 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 fickle beer consumer. Right. How how do you guys start to shift that? Because what I'm seeing in front of me is very different. The beer may not be that different, but no, Soak how, City is the same. That's a how great, it I mean, how it communicates to the drinker when they're standing there staring at that ever ever more confusing shelf in, in your local beer store. Um, talk about that process a little bit and 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 how how this I'm, I'm motioning at these cans that I'm looking at. <laughs> how that for came about? That, yeah. How how did this happen? Yeah. So um, you know I'm kind of a history nerd and I love history and I love uh, documentaries and I love um, just you know the 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 backstory of things. Just talking about that romanticism. Uh, so you know so 16 lots was is named after you know the first. Um, settler of Mason, Ohio, right? William Mason, Major William Mason. He surveyed uh, 16 lots of land along Muddy Creek over here. That became Mason, Ohio. So that's the basis where we got the name 16 lots. The symbol itself, if you see like our logo, uh, it, it looks kind of like, well, the old logo kind of looks like a compass, right. but it's, but, and you kind of get that feel, but you don't really know exactly what that is. Well, it's a transit. Like actually a surveyor's transit. If you look down, it's got 360 degrees and that's how you would survey land. Um, and then there's other elements like a plumb bob, you know, and, and, uh, and things like that. Well, I love that aspect of it, right? I mean, I didn't want to come in and like just completely change everything. I didn't want to change the right, history. It's, it's, a, it's a smart brand for right. what this is. I didn't want to change the history of 60 months. Um, I wanted, if anything, to just, uh, you know, um, accentuate that and, 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 and really elevate it. And uh, so what I, you know, when, when I see a, a transit like that, um, I think of a compass. Can we say trendy it up a little bit? Yes, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Um, get it, you know, absolutely. Bring it, bring it more up to date, right? So um, when I see that, I think of like, you know, I think of a compass. And I love the imagery of a compass. I love the fact that it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, it's guiding you onto your, your future, and an and unknown and an adventure that you may have. Uh, so I, I love that aspect of it. So I immediately changed the 16 Thoughts kind of flat transit into more of a compass, right? And if you look on the, uh, the can of Major, uh, if you look on that can, you'll see it more uh, in play. Right. Where it's actual like a, uh, a more of a, of, a, of a compass. So I changed the actual logo of 16 Thoughts to, uh, to, the, to the compass. And then... Um, my vision for the tap room and our brand. Before you say your vision, okay. can I tell you what I feel oh, about it? I, I would, lo I would <laughs> love to hear this. I would love to hear this. Um, I, I have a very distinct phrase that I would use to describe how it makes me feel. Wait, old or new? New. Okay. Steampunk nautical is how I feel about the current branding. Dope. I love it. Dope. <laughs> um, so my vision for what I wanted to do in the tap room and I wanted to do uh, before our branding, um, the, the closest thing I could put in words to people was steampunk. Okay. So I kept telling my friends and family and, uh, you know, everyone that would listen, uh, I'm steampunking it. I didn't mean like <laughs> steampunk traditional you know, like top hats and goggles and, you know, that kind of weird aesthetic that, you know, kind of like 
that people see as a right. traditional thing. Like, I don't do anything traditional. But that was the closest thing that I could think of that I wanted. I wanted a mashup of the aesthetic of cool technology and, and Victorian-era, like, uh, architecture, facade. Uh, Feeling. Right. That's right. Right. And, and so in my world, the best example we have that of in Cincinnati is OTR. So you got to follow me on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'm I don't think, on, on the journey here. So <laughs> OTR is uh, all the buildings are uh, protected by historical society. The facades are all. They are now, thank God. They're all redone. They're renovated. They look brilliant. Um, but the heart, what's inside the stores, are these cutting edge. It could be technology <laughs> shops. It could be these new um, cool uh, bars and restaurants and things like that. So you get this feel when you walk down the street in OTR, you get this feel of like this, wow, this aesthetic. I'm looking at something that's old, but when I really look closely, it's new. Right. And that's the feel I wanted, right? Um, and I'm also just a huge pop culture nerd. Right, like I'm, I grew up in the '80s, so um, I wanted to take pop culture and put a steampunk aesthetic twist on pop culture. That's what I wanted to tell people. That's what I wanted to do with the with 16 lots. But it's very hard to articulate that. But if you look at those cans, if you look at those cans, you'll get it. I like this. I like this idea. Like I, the. The, the story of 16 lots with the, the major and, 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 you know, staking out Mason and what it is, is great. But I like this idea of like this steampunk nautical, this, I want, I want a big rusted submarine just planted right in the middle of the parking lot. Right. Like, like this, this guy was on some kind of weird journey and somehow he ended up here in Mason. And right. Pff, it's right there in the middle of this, this mixture of like modern. It would probably, day be, where, it, would, it would probably be Captain Nemo. From 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, <laughs> which is one of the first steampunk movies. And that's why I have a gargantuous poster <laughs> of it on the wall. I don't and the I, poster. I don't want the poster. I want a giant rusted out submarine in the middle of the parking lot. Baby steps. <laughs> if I can get there. I mean, look. Did Start you, a Kickstarter. The, the, back, the back doors of our, of our distro van. Look at that. They're actually I can probably sub, see it from here. They're submarine doors <laughs> with tentacles. Right. Right. Very 20,000 leagues under the sea, right? So I wanted to tie in the pop culture reference of one of the first steampunk movies with anything that we do nautical themed. Right. So Soak City IPA. A lot of my friends uh, that own other breweries tease me. Not enough tentacles on that, Dell. Need more, <laughs> need more tentacles. Um, but that's the, that's the idea. So, you know, I, wa I want this running theme of if I do a beer that is water themed in any way. But it's very, it's, it's very uh, multi-level because Soak City was uh, you know, the water park right. at Kings Island. Tie that in to Steampunk, to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and Mason, Ohio. That's what I'm trying to do with this brand. Right. I'm trying to make it super relevant to, to, to where we are and to stand out in a crowd and, and not be contrived. I just think it's, it's so cool to me to take this this story that is very, very old and very traditional and kind of put, put a modern spin on it or a uh, kind of a, a steampunky right. sci-fi kind of spin on 
You're speaking my language. You're speaking my language, Tom. That's exactly that's exactly what I want to do. So one of the first things I did was, um, what I I framed a bunch of artwork, which you see on these walls right here, right? All that art, every piece of that means something to either one of the owners, uh, or it's tied to one of our beers. If it's not tied to one of our beers, it soon will be. Right. So you can look There's down this on the wall. <laughs> you can look down this wall, and you can see. Okay, they don't have that. Like that's I know that movie or that TV show. They don't have a beer yet. Well, soon we will. Um, and if I do a new beer that does tie to one of those, then a new piece of art's going on the wall. So what I've done is I've snuck in Easter egg style to everything I've done here so far that ties into pop culture. Some of it's very overt, very blatant. Some of it you're going to have to really look at. But everything you see in front of you now, new marketing-wise, from the van itself ties in some way to a pop culture reference as an Easter egg. I love it. Love it so much. It's fun, but it 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 means something. Right. And I, I think that uh, some other breweries have lost sight of that idea of you know who you are and and what you do and and the things that you serve to people. It all has to. It really has to mean something. It right. has to it has to kind of tie into people deeper right. than just a drink. You can uh, go get a, a drink anywhere you right. go. I never want to go so far as to violate someone's uh, intellectual property. Um, I see that in our business all the time. <laughs> that is like a, constantly. That is a uh, right. <laughs> I mean, I see that just constantly. You're you're violating other people's intellectual property. You are using blatant logo infringements. I mean, I see it constantly, right? Right. Um, I, actually, it's so parody law, man. It's parody law. To be a kind of a hypocrite about this, um, if you if you've seen my Sergeant Dell logo for my for my charity, <laughs> I completely forgot about right? that. So yep, that's if you see that yeah. for my charity, but that is a you know, there's no money. It's for, it's for, it's charity. for charity. I did that because I joined the army. Like part of the reason I joined the army is because I was such a GI Joe fan. I like I like <laughs> little, you know, like, little did you know it wasn't just blue Dude, lasers that yeah, were right. <laughs> Uh, so I made the Sergeant Dell logo. I wanted it modeled after G.I. Joe, right. a real American bureau, right? It's my slogan. Um, but and there's no money made on we'll, that. That's we'll going put, That's going to charity. We'll put links to all of that stuff in the uh, the show notes too. I yeah, so promise, that's going, promise that, I'll put it in the show that's notes. That's going to charity. So I'm infringing more than I, I should on that. But when it comes to a profit and a, a for-profit company um, and a brewery, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. There's going to be super subtle clues, really cool little things in there. Um, but nothing like that's going to jump off the page at you. Right. You might get a feel of something, but that feel is my intellectual property, right? right. It's what we've come up with. It's not someone else's, but it may give you that feel, which is perfect because it's part of that experience, right? right? So just to clue you in, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, one of my Easter eggs. Okay. Give you one of them. The rest of them, not going <laughs> to, right? That's for the, the consumer to decide. They, they have to look at everything. That van. It kind of seems crowbarred. It, like, okay, so everything is kind of steampunky and everything on that van. It's very cool. And there's, uh, there's parts of different beers already on that van because right. I knew what I was going down the road and what I was going to do. But if you look at the van on, from the side, it's got this weird red stripe on the side of it. It's like it, it, it 
it, there's a, a weird juxtaposition. Like it seems out of place. Like why is there a red stripe in the middle of this thing? Right. It's legit the A-team stripe on the van. <laughs> That's awesome. It is 100% <laughs> the exact stripe on the A-team, you know, B.A. Baracus van. Uh -huh. It is that on our distro. And that's that's what I'm talking about. A, a little subtle, you know, homage to right. pop culture that I'm tying into this brand. That's how you do it, you guys. You you nod. You don't take. You just nod, and that's that's fun. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's uh that's the you know that's the 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 mashup. It's steampunk. It's pop culture. It's what's in my head. And kind of mashed it all together, and then you know I got to I get a shout out to my my artist um, Greg Tobias. Um, so Greg is a, a beer geek buddy of mine from Dayton, Ohio. He's worked for Universal Universal Studios. He's worked for Disney. He's worked on Hollywood productions. Uh, he's a professional graphic artist, and him and I vibe really well. And uh, you know it's like these crazy ideas I come up with in my head. He puts them into an art form, and that's what you're seeing in front of you right now. That's awesome. It's really, really well done. You guys will see it on shelves very soon. When you're listening to this, it's probably coming this week, I'm assuming. Because yeah. um, you, so you only have so much space here for games. We do. The, the van rolls out Monday. <laughs> yeah. This, so the, the van rolls out Monday uh, full. Um, but as we, are, as we are seated here right now, um, next door, we have 6,500 square feet that's being renovated. Nice. So that is going to be um, production space, new cooler, and uh, and also uh, possibly a uh, some sort of an event center customer space. Very very smart. What what does the future look like for sixteen lots? You guys clearly you've made it through the pandemic. Knock on wood. You know, um, what's what's the future look like? You guys are looking towards something with expansion and rebranding. One hundred percent. I mean, um, you know. So as, as I start, you know, slowly um, implement, you know, my plan and, you know, sitting down when we first got into this venture with Mike and Jeff and, and we all, you know, talked about like, here, here's my vision, what I would want to do with it. And they were on board from day one. They, they loved it. I couldn't ask for more supportive business partners. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where I have these super grandiose ideas and uh, and I throw things out there, and um, you know, voice of reasons, they're they're, they're right there. But um, from day one, I've always talked about being more relevant in Cincinnati. I would love to either be a fly on the wall during those meetings or right after those meetings. The God, fucking Dell, like, did you hear what he said? <laughs> he just said he wants to put tentacles all over the the brand new. We just bought this He's new Mercedes put a submarine in the parking lot. We bought did you this hear Mercedes. <laughs> reefer van and he wants to put like you know tentacles all over it and gears and stuff but um from from day one i've always thought that you know i'm a city boy i'm born and born and raised like in dayton ohio in the inner city I'm not much of a suburb guy i'm not like a country boy i'm a i'm a city guy i like the shout city. out to dayton if i was not doing a cincinnati beer podcast i'd be doing a dayton beer podcast right? dude um so like you know uh I'm a city boy. I, I like the urban environment. Um, I love the diversity that it brings. I love, um, you know, spreading uh, craft beer love in that community. So, um, 
from day one, I've always wanted to, to be more relevant in Cincinnati. Right. So um, we want to definitely put a second location in Cincinnati proper. And, um, and we've been looking at places. It's a weird time to expand and grow right now. Some people could say, if you can afford it, now's the perfect it's time to do time, that. Yeah. So we're looking at that, and that's where this brand is going. I don't want to look too far into the future, as in like when it comes to distro and different markets and things like that. Definitely uh, got my sights set very shortly. We've, we've nudged into Dayton a little bit. Right. Um, Columbus is a no-brainer. Um, uh, the, the restaurant chain, Pies and Pints. Um, they celebrated our anniversary with us by putting um, 16 lots in every restaurant they had in the state of Ohio. That's so funny. you know, so we did that stuff like that. So Columbus is definitely on 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 the uh, on the horizon, um, you know. And then uh, we'll see, like distro wise, after that. What about other products? Have you guys talked about distilling and things like that at yeah, all? Yeah, we actually have. I mean, uh, anyone that knows me knows I'm a big bourbon guy. Um, I even have a Scotia bourbon on my beer diet. So I was actually um, going to ask you that once we're done with the show. Yeah, I mean, how does that? I mean, uh, <laughs> bourbon starts out as beer. It's kind of like beer. So no, it, it's one hundred. Like the master distillers, like it's uh, beer turned into something else. You just you take beer and distill it into bourbon. It's the same thing. So I have a little scotch. Of, I mean, and plus I make the rules. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's my beer diet. It's like if I say that's beer, it's you know, like you know. Um, so uh, absolutely, like I would definitely like to get into the. Um, the, the, the micro craft distilling. I get more excited not about a craft distillery making bourbon because there's already great bourbon. Like, we, 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 don't, we don't need that. I get excited about the weird shit. Like, the idea of, you know, shout out to March 1st for making a, an absinthe in Ohio. Like, that's like stuff yeah. like that. Man, that's that's. If I can go and I can I can buy like locally produced uh, bitters or you know vermouth or something, like, why why can't I do yeah. that yet? Like yeah. why does that not exist as a product? Right. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm. I'm it's yeah. it's it's weird and um, may not be the best business thing you can do, but I just I want it. Sure. <laughs> I mean, if you look if you look at if just look at our beer release calendar that I put out for 2021. Yeah. And look at what. You know, I've uh, we've now started a sour program. Yeah, we've we've done our first sours, huge hits, amazing products. Uh, we have our first uh, beer in barrels right now for our first barrel aged you know products. You know, it's leaps and bounds. Um, my first my first recipe that I did is um, our uh, stay with me <laughs> lavender coconut marshmallow. Okay. Milkshake IPA. Okay. okay. Okay? So you get a little lavender, just on the nose, a little bit of aroma, you know, nothing crazy. But then the milkshake IPA itself, super solid New England base with lactose, coconut and vanilla. So you get that, that nasally floral bouquet, little lavender, and then you drink a nice coconut and vanilla milkshake IPA. I drink it coming out short, <laughs> coming out shortly, but those kind of things when it comes to creativity, pushing the envelope, being different, and making ourselves relevant—that's what I want to do, right? right. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. Right. So, um, and and you know, we as we continue down, uh, you know, with our sour program, it's called the Vibrancy series. So I just did raspberry vibrancy, 
Um, I'm doing a, a Hemingway vibrancy. We're doing a Tiki vibrancy. Um, you know, so like lots of fun stuff, lots of cool stuff for, for all drinkers. Uh, but that's, that's where we want to go. Is there anything about craft beer right now that scares you? I think we've already touched on it. I think really is, um, is that the, a lot of people that are buying quote unquote, like huge air quote craft beer right now, it's not really beer. Right. Um, and they're, uh, I think they're going to be a, a huge market. So the only thing is that, that people are calling themselves beer drinkers that aren't beer drinkers. I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess when he starts on <laughs> the milkshake stuff and the slushies and all that, it's like, Yes. Even milkshakes, even milkshakes. Are, I mean, that's that's a that's a New England IPA with lactose. Okay, that's yeah. cool. But I mean, straight up like uh, back sweetened, overly fruited smoothie sours. That when people say like, "Oh my god, this tastes just like a slushy," <laughs> and I go, "You know what else tastes like a slushy? A slushy." <laughs> well, that's what so. I was talking to somebody recently about um, kind of my life and how how my life is broken up into all these different compartments to make all of this work. And I joked that I spend a lot of time like, trying not to get drunk, trying not to have a hangover the next day, trying not to trying not to overindulge in things like that's it's an active like. I try not to consume too yeah. much alcohol. And so like if I'm if I'm going out and I'm like, you know what I really want right now? A slushy. Guess what I'm drinking? I'm drinking a slushy. Right. It doesn't have any alcohol. Exactly. In it. And it's gonna taste exactly like I want. Right. And it's gonna be delicious. Right. And it's not gonna give me a hangover tomorrow. Right. Although, yeah, I guess it could. If you drink enough of one. Look, for a slushy could give you a hangover. For years, craft beer drinkers prided themselves on we drink because we we like the product not to get drunk. And getting drunk is the worst part about alcohol. Right. So when, you know, but it, it's so, it's so weird when you're selling beer to the masses. Right. And uh, a beer you put out that's a super, uh, a triple dry hopped IPA that because you put so many hops in it is expensive, doesn't perform as well because uh, it's not the double IPA you did that 9.4% that is like a standard West Coast IPA you know double IPA and uh, it's because people don't appreciate the nuances of the dry hopping you know process and that it's you know it was triple dry hopped and you know things like that whatever right. the case may be right. hops are expensive um, it's it's like uh, with English milds oh. or a lambic right I mean they're gonna be they're low alcohol they're, you know, 3.5 to 4.5% at ABV. And people are just like, I'm not drinking that. <laughs> I could drink something that, you know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10%. Yeah. Then you're drinking for the wrong reason. Yeah. I'm, I agree 100%. I, yeah, we, it's a, it's a weird, weird time we're in. There's a weird uh, transition happening in, and it, maybe I'm wrong, maybe... Maybe people have always kind of drank just because of the alcohol, but I feel like... Oh, they, um, they absolutely have, right? I mean, there's bathtub gin and stuff <laughs> that's, like that that's true. for a reason. <laughs> but I, I, feel, I feel like the culture of what drinking is a, 
about, I feel like it was going really strong and it's hit this weird um, uh, downturn. I feel like we've we've hit this very strange period in in drinking culture, and we're ready to start heading back to this other other direction where people are really getting excited about yeah. things because they're because they're different and because they're exciting, not because of the alcohol. Right. I, I, and I, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you're, you're a big fan of, uh, of Zane Lamprey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his brand and his shows and things like that. I always thought he, he, he played that line really well. Perfect. Because it's, you know, um, I, I'm the same way. I love what alcohol does as a social lubricant. Right. I love the, the fact that it lowers inhibition a little bit. Um, I, I love the fact that uh, it's, it's a super social. Makes my kids thing. not as annoying. Right. But in the same time, if that pendulum I love swings, my kids if they're listening to this in twenty years, if that <laughs> pendulum swings too far, and you over imbibe, then it just just goes it's, right to the dumpster. Yeah. It's it's such a line to play. And I always thought he did really well, did really good job because we can have these uh, programs like your podcast, like his TV shows, like Brew Dogs uh, TV Network, things like that, where you're not necessarily like uh, glorifying drinking. But you're saying, I enjoy this. I enjoy this as a hobby. I enjoy this. You're, you're glorifying the drink, not, not drinking in, and not like the idea. Drunk. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that, was, that was one of the big alluring factors with craft beer for me. Because it was like, you know, yeah, I'm going to drink these beers that are higher ABV. I don't, you know, but like I'm drinking them because I really enjoy the flavor. And I, I really enjoy the nuances of it. Not that I want to get drunk. Right. I feel like there's a whole show I could do about kind of that and and maybe the other side of the people that disguise actual problems with craft beer as a hobby and I, there's there's a whole there's a right. whole world we could go down there yeah um is there anything as we kind of wrap things up here that you want people to know about 16 lots that you think they don't know right now because i feel like Although, as I'm asking that question, I feel like there's a whole list of things that I wish people knew about 16 Lots that I feel they don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one, you know, one is that uh, we're a completely different brewery than we were six months ago. Yeah. Right? No. I, I, you guys, there is a lot different about you than there was six months ago. But I feel like the heart of what this place was never changed. And I don't, if, if you... With the pandemic, I recognize some people have not been out there in the world. If you frequented this place, you know, a year ago, don't be afraid to come back, even if it looks a little different and there's a weird van sitting in the parking lot with some kind of monster climbing all over it. It's okay. It's still the same place. Like, the heart of what 16 Lots is is here. It's just got some some glitter you on know, top. It's, thank, thank you for pointing that out because you're, you're 100% correctly. That you're correct. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to do was I didn't want to come in here and just completely change 16 lots. Right. Right. I wanted to, to, I really respected, you know, what Mike and Jeff did here. And I really respect what it stands for and, and our place in this community. Right. And, and I didn't want to completely change that. So right. It's, that's right. You're, you're dead nuts on, but I wanted to take that and uh, tweak it and to polish it and to make it more uh, appealable to, uh, you know, the, right. the general consumer. So you're right. I would want them to come in and take a look because the feel of it, even though it's the same walls, it has a different vibe. Right. 
um, our tap list different, right? We have new, new offerings, new products. Um, you know, like everyone else, we, we have a seltzer on tap too. Uh, you know, we have a seltzer, but you can know I'm actually going to drink it before I leave because I got to try it <laughs> for, for research purposes. Well, and, you know, like, so what I've, what I've done with that, it's, it's kind of making an experience is that you can get like, you know, sugar-free flavorings and you can add a shot to those, to that seltzer and get the, you know, the agave lime straight up seltzer. It's great. I've heard good things. Great product. You can, uh, you know, mix it up. Throw a shot of tequila in it, uh, you know. Shot, you know, like if people want to up that that game, that's what they want to drink for the night. Um, we make you know cocktails with it, um, but you know you're you're now able to get you know a sour. The sour we have in our now is uh, it's actually a collaboration sour, right? So we have a sour line now. We have a sour fermenter, but that's a collaboration that we brewed with Six Cents. They never brewed a collaboration before. Now we have we you know we've started a collaboration series, so we're going to go around to different places and and learn those techniques. Learn different things. Bring those back here. So that's a uh, uh, the the POG is uh, with six cents out of Jackson, Ohio. Um, but you know the, the bones same vibe, completely different. Um, and I think it's for the better. I think when you when you see it and you see it in person. Um, so I would say, come to the tap room, check out that vibe, try the experience of maybe absinthe, maybe cherry wine, maybe you know something different. Then. The consumer that sees our product on the shelf, give it a whirl. Take a look at that now. It stands out. You're going to see it. Yeah. The three beers that are our, our cores with, the, with the, the, uh, the new logos, Soak City Juicy IPA, the Major, German Pilsner, and then Dented Silo, the Amber. This plot of land, when it was a farm, used to have this like... Uh, Extended silo on <laughs> on the land, and you know, so they would be like, "Oh, well, you you know, you go down route whatever forty two, see the dented silo, make a left, make a left that kind of thing, right?" Silo, yeah. That's where this was. So that was like uh, a kind of a name that we we thought about, you know. Um, so we basically took that name, made it our our amber, and then did that spin on it, where I took it, I steampunked it, I pop cultured it, uh, so it still has <laughs> that it still has that tie in of. This, this lot of land, Mason, Ohio, but it's got these cool hidden features in it. <laughs> I'm looking at the can right now, and it's, I love it. Yeah, this is one of those cans. All of these are those cans that you can, like, just sit there and just, like, as you're drinking it, just sit there and kind of look at every, like, there, there, there's a lot of stuff going on on here. What's this farmer doing with the goose in the background? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, that's it. It's like, it's, you know, it's uh, staying true to our roots and, uh, and, you know, taking ownership of what we are and who we are, um, but having this cool vibe and this cool, this, you know, and that's what I want. So people to pull it off the shelf, you know, you, you know, uh, man, I'm going to talk about uh, just like marketing and, and, uh, and Raymond Lowy again, uh, you know, like uh -huh. the, he's the father of industrial design. Um, and uh, one of the things he always said was, if you take the same product, the same quality, the same price, people are always going to buy the one that's more beautiful. Yeah. All things equal. Or the one that speaks to them. You're making good more. beer. You're making good beer. Yeah. It's the style that someone wants. 
It's the same price as, as other people on the shelf. Why are they going to take yours over someone else's? And it's because they want, they're going to take the more beautiful one. Right. So I've tried to take that and make these as beautiful as I could. Well, you guys, from what I can see so far, are absolutely knocking it out of the park. I am so excited to see these on the shelf close to me, see how people react to them, see people's kind of uh, their impressions of who 16 Lots is, because I, I, I do think that there is still so much room for people to kind of understand what this is. It's gonna be exciting, man. This this next this next year is gonna be gonna be awesome. Not for you, not just for you guys, but for everything that's happening in Cincinnati beer. It's it's yeah. a good time to be a beer I'm drinker. Super jazzed. I mean, that's you know, like it's one of the, I'm I'm humbled with what I'm allowed to do in this world and and how I fit into this society. You ever feel like you're playing a joke on everybody it, around you? It, I feel you every it day. It's ridiculous what I get to do for a living. And, and where I fit in. And I'm so proud of our beer scene in Cincinnati that, you know, um, I also think there's a lot of folks. I mean, I get a lot of press, right? I mean, I've... Your Ohio man drinks only beer. I know, right? I mean, Ellen DeGeneres, <laughs> like, yesterday, like, I get a call. My sister was like, hey, Ellen DeGeneres was just talking about you <laughs> on her show and said she's trying to get a hold of the Ohio beer guy. And she's talking, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, what I get to do is, I get, you know, I think most of my peers here in Cincinnati understand that my heart is to raise Cincinnati craft beer above all else. It's not to lift 16 lots up over all else, right? right? I want us all to succeed. I want us all to be friends. I want us all to get along. And I try to do that with everything I do. And that is why I will always support you. Thank you. Because no. that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, that's it, guys. Thank you for everybody who makes this happen. Thank you for taking a few moments to sit down with me and uh, talk about what you guys are doing and uh, share a couple beers with me because that's um, what it's about. How's that French toast porter? <laughs> it's actually really, really good. I'm almost done with it. <laughs> Yeah, you like that. We we never we oof. never talked about the fact that I was drinking that. It, there was this weird point in the middle of the show that hopefully none of you guys heard, where we took a break. I had to go pee. I refilled my beer with a different. I beer. haven't I haven't eaten in seventeen days. <laughs> I had to pee, Dome. I, I understand. Um, I uh, yeah, I I stopped for lunch at the Dunlap today. Oh, had some uh, Rachel. She's awesome. I love that place. I do too. Um, if my timing tonight works out, I may swing back for dinner. Nice. <laughs> because that's, that's, get, that's get how it, I roll an on adult Bachfest happy weekend. Meal. It's their late night of the year. Yeah. They do late for, for Bachfest. Yep. Um, yeah, they had some killer looking sausages. Oh my God. For all of you who support this show, thank you very, very much. Uh, especially those of you who support on Patreon you make this happen. Um, if you want to support the show, I'm not going to stop you. Just go to the gnarly slash support. And that's how you do that. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Especially this week's sponsor, uh, food trucker magazine. If you have a food truck or want to start a food truck, these are the guys that you should talk to food trucker magazine.com. They also do a podcast. Just get on, Actually, they do a live YouTube show in addition to their podcast. So go to YouTube and just search for Food Trucker Magazine. And um, I think they do on Tuesday nights or something like that. So 
Um, while I'm waiting on him to send me a commercial that I can just hit play on, that's what you should do. Just go go do that. Or if you are a brewery that's looking to book a food truck, um, the Queen City Mobile Food Truck Association, they, they do all that stuff. So uh, just get on, I guess, Queen City Mobile Food Truck Association.com. Nope, that's too long. Just Google it. That's Google that. <laughs> and, and you'll find it. Um, thank everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. Share it with somebody. Get on and tell somebody about Cincy Brewcast. And um, that's how this just keeps growing. And if you haven't been to 16 Lots before, for the love of God, get to 16 Lots. If it's been a while, for the love of God, get to 16 Lots. And if you don't see it on your local shelf, tell them to put it on their shelf because the stuff is fantastic. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>